Okay, hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Creative Connections. I have an amazing guest today, satirist Mark Humphreys. Mark, how you doing? Oh, well, it's thrilled, thrilling to be referred to as an amazing guest, so I'm, I'm doing very well, Adam. Yeah, this is the highlight of your career is being on this podcast. I completely understand. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, you know, ever since I was a little boy, uh, I, I, I somehow I managed to predict both podcasting and your podcast as uh, as dreams of mine. Perfect. Stars have aligned. Um, and so you're a, you know, you're a funny guy for a living. So I've heard, so I've seen. When did you realize that you were funny? Was there a moment where you're like, hey, people think I'm hilarious? Um, it, that's a, it's a weird thing about that, how you kind of um, – because it just sounds it just sounds weird to kind of even even think in those terms. I guess the the best answer I can give is um, I when I was working in offices and uh, a warehouse, um, I was going kind of slowly mad, and because I my I, I had left university, I had not gone into the career that I thought I would, which was advertising, and my wheels were sort of spinning. And, and so I was just doing sort of, you know, like largely manual work and, but my brain was still, you know, operating. And so I was, I guess, out of boredom and frustration, just trying to entertain people I worked with. So there's a little bit, I think on some level, it's that kind of thing of like, oh, these people seem amused. Is that just... What is that? Is that is that yeah, something? Is it like or is it, am I, specific? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Am I just funny in a warehouse? Um, and and that, that may be the case. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that was, you know, you, you see, kind of wonder to yourself, oh, is there something more there? And, and I and I'd always wanted to go into comedy, but it was something um, for reasons that I can't really explain i mean i did drama in high school and we did you know my best friend and i we hosted our school drama night for a couple of years and so we we'd had some success with that you know we so we you know we put comedy up in front of a live audience and and you know had a good enough response to to think that we weren't completely mad um and so it's just i guess it's just little hints it's just little things that go well and then you go, and then you sort of, if enough of those things happen, then you go, well, maybe there's something more to this. What if I pursued this professionally? And, um, and yeah, and it could easily have gone the other way and just uh, not gone anywhere. I, you know, I think oh, inevitably with these things, there's a lot of luck involved. And I was lucky enough to meet the right people at the right time and then to have opportunities to, to create things and put them in front of an audience and then, over time build up a kind of catalog and reputation. So, but yeah, I guess it would just be, it's it's literally just individual moments in your everyday life of getting a response to things and the, the sort of um, collective uh, experience of that might plant that insane idea in your head that you could do that professionally. And as you were saying, like you were, you'd always wanted to do comedy, but you were sort of putting it off. Was, was that, maybe just part of you felt like a pressure, a cultural societal pressure that this is the path I should go comedy or yeah. arts, just a bit of a dud or yeah, totally. how's that for you? Yeah, exactly. So I think it was also because at, at school I'd been, a, I'd been like an, an all rounder. I, you know, I'd done, I'd done quite 
I've done quite well academically. So I think, and not that my parents ever placed any pressure on me, but I think I felt like I had to live up to, you know, whatever I'd achieved at school. Like that, that mm. clearly was on some sort of path that I needed to follow through on. That if you were doing well in that area, um, then then surely you're supposed to keep going down that path. It, it does it sort of didn't make sense because I was like, I think I was like third in the state in Latin or something like that, you know? So I was like, you know, so I kind of was quite academic. And so it doesn't really, it feels a bit weird to go, Oh, I think I'll just go off and, you know, write some jokes. Um, it, it felt like a waste and sort of like, uh, yeah, like maybe you owed it to someone or to yourself. Yeah. To yourself. You even owed it to your younger self. You slaved over your, you know, declensions and conjugations uh, in your Latin textbook. You, you owed it to that kid to keep going down a particular path. Um, Classic and, kid problems. Yeah, and I just didn't... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't we all owe it to our younger <laughs> Latin studying selves? And again, not that I felt that my parents... They were never really, you know, putting great pressure on me, but I, I for whatever reason, couldn't imagine the conversation where I would say to them, oh, I'm going to go do, you know, something, you know, just sort of fluffy. Um, and I think also... I think very conscious of the, uh, very aware of the Australian television and film industry that we don't have a great, unlike Britain, for instance, unlike, you know, the, the, I think, you know, we, there's not a lot of comedy getting made here. Mm. And so if you're going to go down that path, there's very, very few opportunities. Whereas in the UK, I mean, bigger population, so there are other factors there, but like they've got things like radio four where people can, um, shows can get made. And then from those shows, those radio shows, if they're successful, then they might graduate to a TV show. There's sort of a system they've got here there that we don't have here. There's no sort of graduating. There's no graduation that sort of occurs. So if you want to, you know, break into the industry here, the path isn't, immediately apparent so I, I i went and you know gave stand-up a, a crack not because i had any desire to do stand-up because but because it was like well how else do you get seen how do you get noticed how are you supposed to get the ball rolling and ultimately i was lucky to that i got through another channel but just um that was the sort of thinking that was going on at that point so i would do comedy sort of on the side just little side projects i'd, I'd go and write something for a friend to film or I'd go and perform at some little thing and, um, and just to kind of just dip my toe in the water. Um, and so after enough of those things, then I felt more confident saying, okay, I'm actually going to give this a, a proper go. Right. And, and back in uh, 2012, you were presenting on ABC two's comedy show, the roast. Was that a pretty big stepping stone for you? That was massive. I mean, it, it was massive and yet extremely small at the same time. I mean, it was right. in, in 2012, that show, that, that was a two-minute nightly show. So, you know, I think our airtime was like 7.28 p.m. or something. It was, it was, it was between, uh, what was it? I think we came on after. Like, it was like after Spicks and Specs, before Doctor Who, literally in the time that it would take to go to the toilet, you know. Um, and That's a so good spot, though. A, Oh my God, the toilet spot, people, you know, they dream of that. But <laughs> the good thing about it was that um, it was every day. It was, you know, a chance to write and perform comedy. Yeah, every day for 
I mean, in that in 2012, for a year. Yeah, because a lot of uh, shows are just like once a week, and sure, exactly. And even though it was just two minutes, there there was still you know it was something that was on TV, but also because it was so small, you could get it wrong, you could fail, and this is something that I really believe strongly, where possible, is that we need to be nurturing. You basically we we basically need to be supporting young uh, creatives to fail and to fail for a long time so that they fail less <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I just, you, you need to get your kind of flying hours up. And so we, we were, you know, we were very, very fortunate to, to, to get to make TV every day, but also not be doing it in such a high, high profile way that we would feel absolutely shattered if the thing that we had made wasn't very good. And so over time, as you're reading the news every day and you're sort of honing your joke writing skills, you know, we would like to think that we got, you know, incrementally better to the point where then that show was renewed for ultimately two, two more years uh, as a 10 minute nightly show. So again, still a, still a small thing, still low profile, but you know, compared to a two minute show, suddenly it's five times bigger. It felt, felt massive. So those were sort of you know, very small projects in some ways, but incredibly big opportunities in the sense of, of where they could lead. And, and, and you know, I, I would say ultimately, ultimately did. And do you feel that there's still opportunities like that for young developing artists to kind of get some experience professionally, but, you know, they've still got the training wheels on? No, I mean, I don't. No, I mean, the short answer is no. Occasionally something will come up like Tonightly, uh, which was, you know, really, yeah, I think it was the closest thing to the roast in recent years. Again, it was a nightly show. It was a half hour show. Um, You know, they really made an effort to um, bring in contributors uh, with, you know, all sorts of experience levels. Uh, so that was, that's the sort of closest example we've had the, the feed, which I, which I, you know, ended up working on has been a very good home for young comedy writers as well, but there's only so much space and only so many, only, only so many spots within that show. So the feed has been really good in, in, in recent weeks at home alone together has actually been excellent. Dan Illich, who is show running that program, and was the producer on Tonightly has taken, you know, some of the lessons of Tonightly and, and is again, I mean, Dan's been a mentor to so many people, including myself. So these are very dry answers, but hopefully they'll be useful. To oh, someone. it's good. Um, uh, Dan, Dan, has, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, need, I needed to hear that. Uh, Dan has, has always really made an effort to bring in new voices, either through Tonightly or at Home Alone Together or through his own um, podcast, um, irrational fear so if anyone's creating opportunities for new voices it's it's dan illich that's that's sort of the person to i mean you know <laughs> everyone contact emails, that, that, dan he's someone who's everyone who's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah, that's it um you know within and 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 not to and and to be fair to other programs you know like the weekly mad as hell they've certainly got writing team but you know they're not on all, all year round and so those those opportunities you know they, they they're kind of short relatively short runs and so there are there are things but it's it's not you know how many sitcoms do we make in this country you know we don't have the kind of tradition of the british panel shows where that, that's a great 
can be a great showcase. We occasionally have had things like, you know, specs and specs, but at the moment sort of it's, you know, have you been paying attention sort of more or less kind of the only game in town. So, you know, the commercial networks don't really support comedy. So there's, there, there's a lot lacking. So the, so yes, short answer, there aren't a great deal of opportunities, but by God, there needs to be, because otherwise who's going to create the stuff, you know, in future that, um, Yeah, and I guess just going off that, would you say networking has been a a big part of you getting work compared to having a manager or an agent, or is it a bit of both? Well, I didn't, I I didn't, I didn't have a manager until I suddenly got um, asked to be a quiz show host. So I, 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 that so management that yeah, I I don't know what that experience is like. I, I think if you're if you're a stand up and you get represented by. Uh, token management for instance that can be very very good for your career because token has a big hand in a lot of different programs and are very good at getting their talent you know uh, onto onto shows so that that can be a path but um no i didn't have anything like that it was but but so in terms of but yes the connections and yes unfortunately you know it is it is that is a part of it it's not just based on uh, the work alone. You do need to meet people and collaborate and, you know, you need to be kind of around. But I mean, the, the, the way I met someone was uh, sort of through a, yeah, I, I, a friend of mine was, uh, she was doing media arts production at university and she wanted to do for her final project, she wanted to do a, she wanted to do a pilot for a comedy show for a, like a scripted comedy and she had this idea and for, for some reason she she came to me this is when i was working in a warehouse she came to me and said oh mark would you write this f- for me and i was like oh um sure so i went and wrote these scripts and then she ended up meeting someone named clark richards who we ended up working in a warehouse together uh he's an actor and he got asked he, he knew people involved in this show called the roast that was starting up and then he said to them, oh, I've got this friend, Mark Humphreys, um, you know, could he, could he come along and be a, an intern? And so I you know, started interning on that show. So, yeah, that was, you know, that was, that was just good fortune. But, you know, but also good fortune related to having done some piece of creative work that then, you know, opened up conversation. And as you were saying, you're on uh, the feed on SBS. More recently, you've you've been on ABC 7.30 report. Do you find there's much difference in freedoms in terms of what you can do and say on networks or do they kind of let you do your thing? Yeah. <laughs> or am I putting you in hot water? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think, I, I think I can speak frankly about this. Um, the, what I would say is I don't feel that 7.30 imposes anything on me. I don't feel that they're particularly restrictive or anything, but I think there is the the knowledge of what that show is and what it represents that then uh, affects some of the you know the, the nature of the work that you put out. So, for instance, so the feed because it was yeah it was SBS you know SBS is secondary channel SBS two and then ultimately SBS Viceland. You know again you're operating relatively under the radar. If something goes well, it can spread on social media and that's fantastic. If it doesn't go well, well only a few people saw it on TV. Not a few, but you know it, not you know not huge numbers of people saw it, 
and it can sort of disappear and that and that's and that's fine whereas so i guess what i'm saying is that you could you could afford to occasionally still get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> on the, not that I ever yeah, did, of course, but, um, but you could afford to get it wrong on no, please uh, on on the feed because yeah, it, it, the number of people tuning into the show, you know, wasn't wasn't massive. Problem, not problem, but the situation with seven thirty rather is that regardless of the quality of your work, it's going to be seen by. 600 700 800,000 you know sometimes a million people that's just sort of and that's just the base level beyond we beyond before we even get to you know online and all that sort of stuff so i think there's a a pressure you're then putting on yourself of god this is going to have kind of i don't want to say broad appeal but you're conscious of it of it being a, a larger of it going to a larger audience um so sometimes so there are sketches that i don't know if we would do sketches that we did on the feed that i'm not sure if we would do today so for instance there was if you remember a couple of years ago there was a story of the poo jogger oh yes um, uh, a man who was uh, caught by his neighbors uh, taking a dump on their um, classic um, uh, driveway yeah yeah we've, we've all done it uh, and so you know we did a, a sketch about the sport of poo jogging on on the feed now i'm not sure that i can ask lee sales to introduce a sketch about, <laughs> about the sport of poo jogging. I don't know. Maybe. It sound good. Uh, it sounds so tested, professional. Tested that. Yeah, I haven't I haven't tested that relationship. <laughs> that's um, the test. So that it, that's how it's different. So yeah, can can you imagine Lee Sales saying poo jogging? Um, so it's not like it's not that seven thirty has said to us no poo jogging, but we internally, you know, think when I say we, my writing partner Evan Williams and I. We, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it does, you know, it, it, it crosses your mind. So, and then from a legal standpoint, SBS, well, no, I don't want to say that they were more lax. I think I, I would I would say that ABC was maybe slightly more, is a, is a little bit safer because in terms of the decisions they make from a legal standpoint, they're a little more cautious, I should say. I think it's, I think a big part of it would have to do with Chris Kenny. Uh, suing the ABC or suing, you know, suing the Chaser guys back in, you know, I can't mm. remember what year it was, twenty, whatever, about the, you know, the, I, can't, I won't even, I won't even say <laughs> what the sketch was for fear of, you know, being caught up in that. But that, the fact that he sued and won, um, based on something that was clearly a joke, um, and had no kind of, you know, factual basis to it, it wasn't. I think sent a shiver through the ABC. And so now I think the legal department are not overly cautious, but they're just extra cautious. So there are little things like that. So uh, yeah, those are the sorts of constraints. Yeah. I was going to ask, have you ever regretted taking the piss out of someone? There's only one time where it was the poo guy. I mean, it was the poo guy. I, I think, I mean, it's interesting I mean, there's 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 a discussion to be had about like, I mean, whether it was I don't think it was. Let's stick with the, sorry. It's a really good question. There's, the short answer is is no because generally I'm going generally it's politicians. You know, it's sort of fair game, and I don't and I'm not sort of I don't think I'm ever manufacturing a reason to 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 kind of um, poke fun at people. I think. Sorry, I, I, I can I can hear that this is terrible audio. No, no, it's okay. It was just, I just wonder that because yeah, yeah. I, I I have no I have no reason to yet. 
but I'm, I think one thing that I'm interested in is, and, and it's a conversation that is sort of skirted around, is, is the, the, the topic of mental health. And I do wonder sometimes whether, and, and I'm not just saying in terms of just my own work, but just the collective culture of, you know, shitting on politicians. I wonder, sometimes I wonder, is there a different way that we need to be doing that? And, and in the process, are we making political life, like pursuing that as a career, are we dissuading people, good people, from going down that path because of the level of, well, I mean, scrutiny is, you know, is essential, obviously, but the you see on social media, media the level of vitriol directed at politicians and you know i hesitate to say this at the end of the day you know they're still people you, you kind of i, I think I, that's the consideration of just like how hard do you you know you got to make sure you're really clear on what the target is here and why you're you know dedicating time to this particular you know action or decision that's that's being made and just yeah that's something that's at the back of my mind mm. at the moment it's just because you know, the discussion about mental health is, is growing and growing as it should. And so at a certain point, I do think we kind of need to ask about what contribution comedy makes to that. I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's a thought. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, because we, are, we definitely need comedians. I mean, I think more and more people are listening to comedians more than politicians for um, some depth and truth in certain ways, particularly stand-up. <clears throat> and I can imagine with writing that I could see it as sometimes when you're collaborating as a writer that you're like, this is freaking hilarious. Then maybe when you actually present it in the room, it feels great as well. But then when it's released, it kind of has a weird vibe. So I, I could imagine it's hard to gauge what will and won't mm. be too much. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, a concrete example, because I sort of skirted around the question, is a character that I do... Um, called Barabbas Loins, which is, <laughs> it's really the only character I do that is kind of explicitly based on a particular person, which is, you know, Barnaby Joyce. It's not an impression of Barnaby Joyce. It's, not, it's nowhere near Barnaby Joyce, but the character is inspired by the adventures of Barnaby Joyce. Now, I, I don't presume to think that Barnaby Joyce, you know, keeps up at night worrying about how you know, what Barabbas Loins said. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is it is just a sort of thing of just like, it is mockery. It is, you know, and I don't I don't know the man. Uh, I don't know what effect it has to be, to be the butt of jokes nationally. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. So, you know, you want to, you want to think that every politician has an extremely thick skin or that they need to kind of accept that that comes with the territory. But does me in an Akubra doing a silly voice come with the territory? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Should it? Yes, it's hard to know. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 talking, I'm talking myself out of a job at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. It's great. That'll be the next headline. Should Mark Humphreys be allowed to wear a Akubra? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You mentioned social media before. Do you find it a useful tool or is it, you know, just that at all? I mean, it's it's, this, it's simultaneously, the way I describe social media, and especially Twitter, is it's the best, signing up for Twitter to get a Twitter account was the best thing I ever did for my career and the worst thing I ever did for my mental health. Mm. I, 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 I hate it 
and I can't. It's like an abusive relationship. I can't. Sorry, I don't mean to. Sorry, I don't mean to make. Uh, uh, Terrible analogy, but I just mean it's someone. No, I know you, you're not making light you, of that. You have, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you, it's someone, something that is doing you damage, but you still are drawn to it, and you feel sort of you keep coming back to it, and that's a very strange thing. So I, I think focusing on the positive sides of things, it's it's a very good, um, you know, it's a good indicator of what people are talking about. And obviously, you can't pretend that Twitter is a exact replica of uh, you know the broader conversations but it's at least an insight and you can see what sort of stories are capturing people's attention and what people what people are talking about and so that can help you help influence what you might want to weigh in on but also there are times where you'll come across a story which you think is important and maybe it's not as sexy or as funny or as captured people's imagination the way that maybe poo jogging has but um, for instance, last week we just sketched about this secret trial that's been going on. Now there's been, you know, it's got some traction online, but it's not a story that it's not not everyone knows about it. And it was something that Evan and I felt that we really wanted to cover, even though it probably wasn't it wasn't getting as much attention as say, you know, statues being toppled or you know TV shows being cancelled or what have you. But it was something that we felt strongly about so anyway i think social media can be useful to just get a sense of what what's on people's minds you know and it's a good gauge of of how you're doing you know you can it's quite easy to measure the response to your sketches in terms of views and retweets and okay that that one did really well but this one didn't kind of so you know it's sort of useful kind of market research in some ways but i just think there are so many parts of it you know i'm not I'm not saying anything new here, but there are so many parts of social media which uh, are, are toxic. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are days where I think if we had a choice to go back in time and not invent the internet, I sometimes think we shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting what you're saying about Twitter because it seems to be the one that gets people, and it's where you're talking about the mental health side of it. It really does mm. seem, because I've just had interviews with other people that are in the public eye, and it just seems that there's something about Twitter that's just the the word, typed word, that mm. has a some kind of more intense impact for whatever reason. Yes. Something which I can't explain, and I'm sure there's science that could, is you could get a 100 pieces of positive feedback on something but bizarrely that one one tweet that goes against the grain will stay with you you can you can you know i've, I've had enough you know sorry, i don't i don't mean to talk myself up, but i've had you know, some sketches that have done that have you know have had broad reach and you'll you can be you know your mentions can be a sort of sea of great fantastic love it hilarious but then there'll be that one thing which is like something about, you know, it could be anything. It could be about, it could be about the comedy. Yeah. It could be about how you look. It could be anything. And it's so, it can, it just leaps out. Yeah. And there's something and people about are the human so brain that latches. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when they're online. Because you'd almost rather have a picture of yourself with your pants falling down or something rather than have five sentences of someone ripping into you. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. and so I don't know. you know like, yeah and i can't yeah and, and so you know but and the, the other thing as well is that i'm i'm through my in my own way ripping into people so i yes. can't then 
go, oh, it's not fair to to do it to me. But the but the reality is is that it sometimes gets you. Now over time, um, you do develop an immunity and you learn to mute the Mark Latham account. But the uh, you know so you, you kind of have you kind of have coping. You know you you, you, you come to terms with it but it's it's um there are still occasionally things that just can get under your skin uh and yeah. it's really quite impressive because because there are times where you'll see you know someone saying oh, fuck you or whatever and it's so i don't know if we can swear on this podcast i'm sorry um <laughs> no go for it you can kind of yeah you can sort of you can d- dismiss that but sometimes something will be worded in such a or it will be so willfully it will so willfully misrepresent what you have, had done that you just, it, it, it can be, it can be infuriating. Yeah. Um, so credit to those people, those rare people that occasionally can word a tweet in such a way that it just, yeah, it gets through the armor and you're like, Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, I felt that one. And sometimes maybe you feel actually a, a bit of truth. Maybe you, maybe you even agree with, with the criticism and then that, 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 that's another thing you have to deal with. But, but broadly speaking, there there are so many things about Twitter now that really bother me. You know, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the pylon. That I think that's really dangerous. Um, you know, we're in uncharted territory here, and I think our brains are still sort of rewiring to kind of work out how to deal with all that. Yeah, and just kind of on that, in some sense, you know, you've had a lot of success, as you said. TV, radio, you've co-authored the book with the Chasers. How do you kind of manage high levels of success and then also rejection in an industry that so can be very fickle? I think you kind of need to. Well, I think okay, I'll give Pointless as an example. Like yes, um, where the success, I suppose, of 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 getting the gig came with the knowledge. Again, because I've sort of a you know I've watched, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Australian, you know, I've watched Australian TV my whole life. I'm kind of you know, very interested in the industry. You know, it came with the knowledge that it's the number of shows that actually stick around a very, very, very. It's a small number, so I think you just need to kind of enjoy the highs, but always with the back of your mind is just like. This probably won't last forever, so don't get too attached to this as your new identity. You know, I kind of once pointless. Once I got pointless, I sort of went like, "This will be a great story to tell," you know, the grandchildren or something. But you know, the, the chances that you're going to go on and be Eddie McGuire hosting the same show for 20 years are, are pretty slim. So don't get don't get too comfortable. So that that way, when the show ultimately did end. As disappointing as it was, I wasn't so devastated because I hadn't, you know, tied my whole personality and sense of self-worth up with the success of that that show. I was still able to kind of have keep it as at, at a distance. I think it also helps to have different interests and projects. You know, I was very lucky that when Pointless ended, I was already working on. I was already making sketches for Seven Thirty, so I was able to just kind of go okay well that's that thing that's done but i've just got this other thing over here so uh i think the bigger problem is if you put all your eggs in one but you know never put all your eggs in one basket try and have things on the boil uh at all times so that if something falls over which inevitably will um you can go oh okay well i'll, I'll go and focus on that you know screenplay or i wanted to write or that 
at book or the you know whatever the thing is so i think yeah my advice is just yeah try and try and have a lot going on so if, if one or two things falls over you're not completely at a loss now that's easier said said than done i, I you know I, I say that from a position of you know, I was, I was very fortunate to have something else to go on to. Not everyone will, but even just independently, you should try and be thinking about your own projects, I think. Yeah, great. And just uh, sort of to wrap up, what's coming up for you, Mark? Is there some projects that are in the works? I mean, coming out of COVID hasn't been particularly easy for artists. What's up for you? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of my work, yes, I think a few things yeah, fell over as a result of um, COVID but um, so w- one thing that I've been working on for a while now is a, a musical so uh, it's still sort of up in the air if slash when that will make it to the stage um, it was yeah because it, it, it's it's um, something yeah it's something that I've been developing with it with a theater and but obviously every theater in the country is closed uh, and we don't know you know when they will reopen so that's that's something that theoretically at some point i'd like to be able to say late 2021 or 2022 but i just have no no one knows what the future holds with the stem virus so that's 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 one thing you know still doing the 730 sketches and um sorry if i'm sounding very low energy i just have a splitting headache but i'm trying i'm trying to give you everything that's left of my no it's great thank <laughs> you so my much energy. i know you've been a rough day uh, so that's a, thanks that's, a, that's all right and then there are yeah there look there are, there's nothing i can announce at this point but there's just a couple other projects which are always one day away from falling over so um you know, we're trying to develop stuff further with with this character called Campbell Parks. We did a uh, an audio series for Audible uh, last year. Um, it's a sort of a shock job, right wing commentator character, um, and uh, we're we're looking at developing that further, either either more in the audio space or potentially as something uh, an on camera thing. So, so more Campbell parks, uh, inevitably if Barnaby says something more Barabbas loins and, uh, and then other than that, just, just, you yeah, having a sort of nervous breakdown on Twitter. So that's my, <laughs> those, are my, those, those are my plans. Sounds like you've got it all sorted. Oh yeah. That's it. Well, I made the mistake last night of responding to a Donald Trump tweet and I haven't done that in ages. I was so annoyed by what he tweeted and I forgot that if you reply to Donald Trump, you know, relatively early after he's tweeted. Yeah. Then, then you, you know, you're more likely to suddenly get inundated with replies from, you know, Trump's you know, devoted followers. And I'd forgotten just how, you know, I, I, they're just, they're just on another planet and, and, and that, that sort of, and you go, Oh God, why did I, why did I respond to that? Because <laughs> well, you know, it's just, you're never going to, you never, yeah. You're never going to win them over. Well, maybe give yourself a couple of days Twitter break. Have a Twitter fast. Maybe that's going to be the new. <laughs> I want to be health fat. I want to reassure you. I want to reassure you and the listeners. I'm okay. I just. It's just something that I do think about. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, um, Mark Humphreys, it's been great chatting with you, man. It's, I'm really glad that I got to to meet you, and uh, I look forward to seeing all the work that comes up for you in the future. Thanks, mate. Thank, thank, well, thank you very much for, for, for having me on. I do appreciate that. 
That's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you like and follow Adam Deer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And join me next week on Creative Connections.